I book already my appointment at CarStar, which I will talk to you about around this whole preferred provider relationship. But um, a good buddy of mine, he's the president of CarStar. So of course I'm going to take it because that's where my loyalty would be. And the then podcast in- though is not sponsored by CarStar. No, but we actually, <laughs> I should ask them about that. Maybe uh, if, they're, if they're interested, you know how to- Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk yeah. to Mike. <laughs> Welcome to the Clinician Life Podcast. I'm Emma Jack, and I'm joined by my co-host, Daryl Yardley. And together, we're on a mission to help you elevate your practice to new heights. Join us each week as we bring you invaluable insights from some of the world's leading clinicians. From staying ahead of industry trends to crafting your dream career and life, we've got you covered. Get set to unlock your full potential. Here we go. So one of the things that I was sharing with Emma before is I was um, not quite sure how I like where I was or wasn't paying attention, but I thought it would be a good idea just to drive into the back of somebody instead of stopping. So when I did brake, the brakes locked and the van went right through the hitch of a pickup truck. Um, and I'm like, shit, right? And here was in my brain, this is everything, clear driving record ready to switch insurance companies. I was finally going to make that big jump too, where I was like, you know what? It's time that we started to really look at the motor vehicle insurance in Ontario. And like, I wanted to double everything now that the kids are older and stuff. So, you know, doubling down on that insurance, but I was like, "Eh, probably not now. So that was my biggest frustration. The car is the car. No one was hurt, which was great. Like that's the big thing at the end of the day. But the one thing that I was literally working like, trying to process myself is how like difficult it was to just file this claim Mm. right and it wasn't that it was overly difficult but I was just there were so many like things that I never really thought about because I hadn't been in an accident for like years I think the last time I was in an accident was like I don't even think we I don't know if we even had both kids like it was just life Mm. was different right Yeah. yeah but trying to juggle things where we were like well that was Saturday night what was I going to do on this Saturday night? Luckily, the other driver was seemed really good about everything. He's like, I'm good. You're good. That's what we have insurance for. So we kind of were all yeah. both able to drive home. Brilliant. Yeah. So what was interesting so then on Sunday, um, I was like, well, Saturday, night, I was like, should I call and make the claim? My wife was like, well, you're probably going to get the B team. So let's just wait, call Sunday morning. Like what's really going to happen in the interim, right? So um, so me to say we make the claim on sat on Sunday we go to hockey um and thank god we still have old faithful like we still have the Jetta it's yeah. like done nothing wrong to us so we're like at least we still have one less day, right? <laughs> yeah and on the weekend we only have one activity right it was just hockey so so that gets done I book already my appointment at car star which I will talk to you about around this whole preferred provider relationship but mm-hmm. Um, a good buddy of mine, he's the president of CarStar. So of course I'm going to take it because that's where my loyalty would be. And the then podcast though is not sponsored by CarStar. No, but we actually, <laughs> yeah, I should ask them about that. Maybe uh, if they're, if they're interested, you know how to. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to talk yeah. to Mike. Um, but here's the thing that blew my mind. Okay. So I was, so I booked the appointment. Now it's Monday and I'm like, okay, we got to get kids to school. I now have this annoyance that I've just created on myself. I'm like, when the hell am I going to do this? And Mel has calls all morning, yeah. right? For her, like her job. 
And I'm like, uh, the only time I had was 9.30. So I, so then of course I'm like, I'm going to call CAA. And I was like, we, we have CAA, like CAA is great. Like, why are you not using it? I was like, good call. Cause then I can at least drive the jet and I can bring my own ass home. Yeah. They called and they're like, well, did you file a collision report? I was like, no, I didn't need to go to the police. We didn't see any right. reason to go to the police. There was no, there was nobody was hurt again, luckily. So I'm just going to go through insurance and do what yeah. I need to do. Oh yeah. That's unfortunate. We don't come and get you if you didn't go through the collision center. Oh. So I was like, well, that must be in the goddamn fine print somewhere. Right. <laughs> so, so again, it's okay. Like Mel and I can both make it work, but can you imagine though, if like you couldn't make that work? Like if she was already gone for work that day. Yeah. Or like, there's so many factors. Like if you have a single vehicle yeah, or you work shift work and you can't afford to take mm -hmm. time off or yeah. like, there's so many factors that would make that so distressing. Yeah. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And like, and even for me, I've been trying to go through this. I'm like, well, kind of like first world problem, first world problem. Like it's not, and I get it. It's not the end of the day, but I'm trying to extrapolate what this would be like if I had a brain injury following that event, mm -hmm. right? Like you had a concussion, you're not working. Now you're off work. You got to try to justify why you're off work. So you can start to see where people could potentially spiral. Right. Yeah. So, so that, so that part was actually fine. I took it to car star. I drove it. The guy's like, you shouldn't have driven it here. I was like, oh, it was working. <laughs> right. But again, I had that option. Whereas like, if that car wasn't starting, I would have been like, what am I supposed to do? Right. right? So, um, and again, I know everybody listening will be like, we well, should have just called your insurance and they would have done something, but I haven't even been able to speak to an adjuster yet. Mm -hmm. So I, I, I did the call on Sunday, dropped the car off at car start yesterday, realized that we have five nights this week that Mel and I are both separate directions with the kids. And I'm like, Ooh, I guess we do need that second vehicle. Yeah. It's not COVID anymore. We're one just. Right. <laughs> so, so then we were like, I guess I'm going to need this rental car, but I'm expecting a phone call to set up our claim. Yeah. No call. Nothing yet. And I'm like, so then I'm, then the girl, and I just said with the girl at car, so I was like, well, if I don't really need the rental or, if, or if there's another way to organize it, let's, I'll just do that. So I call her and I'm like, look, I haven't heard anything. She's like, let's just do the rental. I'm like, okay they have like a button that literally speed dialed into the car rental place yeah. that automatically gave me a car within 30 seconds. I was like, you like, I didn't even go on hold. They got their systems down. Yeah. And I was like, holy shit, my systems aren't that good, <laughs> nor are they that efficient. So like, that was the big positive. And I was like, so then when I went to the, to get the rental car yesterday, everything was like, they're like, hi girl. And I'm like, oh my God, do you even know my name? But then there was a walk-in poor guy and they were like, yeah, we don't even know if we have cars. And I'm like, you just gave me a choice of three, <laughs> right? So it was, it was like this weird system, right? That I couldn't quite figure out. And then there was another guy that was on the phone for like, clearly like probably half an hour because we were there the whole time. Yeah. You just hear the conversation. So I'm like, so that part was efficient, but it was driven by the body shop. Right. Right. Not by the insurer, not yeah, by the healthcare like system. Interesting. Right. But if I want to talk about convenience, like it was done yeah. and we weren't even late for hockey. So that part was so far. That's the positive part. Yeah. Next day, I, they're like, you'll probably get a call within two days from the adjuster. I'm like, okay. Sounds good. Yeah. No, I got a call Wait, from like the 1-800 number again. And I was like, hi. They're like, 
this is going to probably take about 35 to 40 minutes. And I'm, and I'm like, oh my God, I have this call with Emma. And if I'm late, she's going to like. The wrath, the wrath. Yeah. So I was like, are you prepared that you may have to speak to my wife at the end of this? Because I don't want to have to deal with that. I'm going to have wrath to deal with. Yeah. So, but Emma, this is the worst. Everything was repeated again. Like exactly the same stuff. And, and fair enough, they kind of like repeated, like they were that probably validating a few things. Yeah. And then they said, oh, do you want a rental car? I was like, well, I already have one. Oh, we'll send the paperwork. So now we got a call from Enterprise. I'm like, why are they calling me? And they're calling at the same time I'm still on the call with this. She was lovely. She was super yeah. nice. Um, and she was great. She was like, oh, is everybody okay? I hope you're all like that part, the customer service side there was authentic sincere but I'm like the redundancy was driving me nuts and I'm like like do you need me to like spell out my street or are you just reading it off the screen oh yeah some of it's here some of it's not here mm. I'm like so I have to do this all over again so in my in my head I'm like what happens if I can't stare at a screen right or what happens if I don't have the ability to be attentive right now yeah or have a massive headache or you know or dealing with even like an MSK injury where you're in pain mm-hmm. and you can't focus on for that amount of time. Like there's. Yeah. Or like, let's like even think about some of the patients that we see, like I see some pretty high profile people, like once if they're like have headaches now and injuries and they're supposed to be presenting to the board, mm-hmm. right? Like, can you imagine like I'm not at work, but I'm still trying to do it. But so I was, I was just thinking about like that redundancy again. Right. And I'm like, um, or, so are you the adjuster? No, no, someone will probably be speaking to you in the next couple of days. And I'm like, so when is my car going to get fixed? Or is it written off? Oh, well, it looks, looks here that it'll probably be repairable. And I was like, okay, um, who's determining that? Like you? So they're like, oh, don't worry, sir. We're going to send an appraiser. I was like, okay, what does that mean? So um, would you like to go to one of our preferred body shops? And I'm like, no. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but it was, it was so interesting, right? Because, and again, to be fair, like this, this was your, like an intake coordinator. Her job was probably to send to preferred provider, exactly. which is totally yeah. cool. I'm fine with it. But it was like, so well done, like scripted on point. And I was like, no, nope, I'm happy. Well, it's sometimes that you're, your body shop may not cooperate with our appraiser. I was like, they will like, no problem. Right. Um, so that's cool. So when is this going to get done? Could be five business days. I was like, well, who's the appraiser? And it, in my head, like I, I knew an appraiser before she worked for me as a kin. She was the appraiser. She didn't know anything about a car. <laughs> so, so I'm like, oh, Okay. Um, and are you sure you don't want to go to one of our preferred body shops? Cause we can transfer the vehicle. And I was like, no, mm-hmm. like I, I even know one of the older gentlemen at this place, like the guy has been doing body repair work for like longer than I've been born. I'm like, that's where we're going. But I was like, all of a sudden it just all of a sudden got confusing. Well, it could take longer if you don't use our shop or if they don't cooperate. I was like, but you don't, you don't know that. That's kind of like in our world. Right. I was like, Look, I don't have a preferred relationship with a lot of insurance companies, but I'm really friggin' good at what I do and I'm happy to communicate with people. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's those sort of things again, too, where, you know, there's a certain amount of 
privilege in terms of having the confidence to be like, no, yeah. I know where I want to go. And I, I know it's my right to continue yeah. to stay at that shop versus feeling this like almost like coercion or need mm. to go along with what they are saying because you maybe feel like you don't know any better. That's I never, you know, and this is sort of the, an interesting piece, right? You don't really realize it. Like from my perspective, yeah. Like, I'm just going to tell you what we're going to do as best yeah. as I can. But can you imagine if you're like, oh my God, did I make a wrong decision? Yeah. I mean, uh, let's be real. If I'm talking to anyone about my car, I'm probably defaulting uh, because I just, I, I yeah. know as much about it and mm. I'm probably more easily influenced. And I think that can happen, you know, in terms of car mechanics, but it can also happen. Um, and I've definitely felt that just in terms of healthcare of really being felt mm -hmm. like you were being led in a certain direction and don't necessarily have, you know, yeah. a say in, in what's happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, what was kind of also interesting too, is like, I have a direct connection multiple ways to the choice I made. Right. Mm -hmm. But I never thought of like, what would I do if I didn't know anybody in the industry? Yeah. Right. So when you think yeah. about rehab, very similar to that, right? Yeah. If you're, if you're not in those spaces, you probably are going to take, you know, that's where a lot of like the preferred providers, just even in terms of insurance companies, Yeah. you know, where, where people are, are being suggested, Ooh, if you go here, it will, will fully cover you versus if you go here, we'll only cover a bit. Um, you're likely going to go to wherever they suggest. Hmm. And the one thing that's kind of interesting too, like on, obviously I'm sitting on the, you know, body, you know, the vehicle side of the AV side, as opposed to like the medical side of accident benefits. But it was kind of interesting too, is as soon as legal gets involved, you no longer speak to the adjuster. Right. Kind of, kind of interesting. Right. So the, the other part though, that I found so confusing and and this is easy to Google, right? I was like, well, what happens if they write my car off versus they find my car repairable? Pretty easy Google, right? Um, but what does it actually mean for my wife and I during the holiday season? Yeah. Right. Like, so am I, you know, what are they, what's the check going to look like? Like, do I have to buy a new vehicle? Do I not have to buy a new vehicle? Like, I actually don't know what the hell is going to happen right now. And I'm okay. Like we have a rental car, but we have our other vehicle. We're not hurt. We're not injured. Like we have no other issues going on, luckily and thankfully. But I'm like, should I be looking for a car? When is this five-day business day appraiser going to tell me what is actually going to happen? When do I sign the work order to get the job done if it's repairable? Like, I don't know. And then we're going to come into the holidays. Right. So Which is like not a, not like... A, busy, but also like financially stressful time of year for a lot of people. And even just having that, you know, in the back of your mind of like, oh my gosh, am I going to have to buy a new car and how much money would they give me? And, you know, for people who are already at their mm -hmm. max and don't have an emergency fund, that also brings another layer of stress. That's right. That's right. And the thing too is there's a difference between like, oh, don't worry, your deductible is 500 bucks. Okay, that's fine but you're not paying the difference for the vehicle. So my deductible all of a sudden may have just been $25,000. Right. So don't quote me on that. The deductible is still 500, but I may have to buy an additional, put in an additional 20K for a new car just because Daryl doesn't know how to brake properly, <laughs> right? 
So I threw that in there because my wife still upset with me. But um, and I wasn't on my phone. I swear, we were talking about what we wanted on our hamburgers. Okay. <laughs> you just went off to this like la la land of. And I don't know if I was that excited about Big Mac sauce on a on a smash burger. I'm not sure what was happening, but um, but needless to say, like it's so difficult to navigate. So can you imagine, this is the other thing is like, can you imagine if I was trying to navigate the medical side of this and deal with the car and, you know, one of the kids was injured and my wife was injured, you know, like, so. It throws people's lives upside down. Yeah. And it it made me think too, is because if I went back to my early days treating, like we were trained, Hey, Emma, who else was in the vehicle with you? Were you rear-ended or were you hit on the side? Like was, you know, and I know there's reason to still ask certain questions, but like now I'm thinking in my head now is like, okay, if you, if who else was in the vehicle? Okay. Well, what impact does that have now for you on your stress levels? Like not, I'm not going to ask the necessarily like point blank questions on that, but if you're the, you know, let's say for example, you're, um, you know, let's say you're in a stay at, stay at home parent and the parent who is in the car as well as most interested, they happen to be the breadwinner. That's a very different scenario. Yeah. Right. Or what happens if I have to actually now look at the injuries and I actually have to take time off of work. Right. And I think these are the things where a lot of people stay away from that motor vehicle space because it's complicated. Um, You know, yes, there's lots of money that you can get paid to treat those types of issues. There's a lot of complexity to it that I think we sometimes avoid, especially when it comes to where's the supports for a lot of these people, because it's complicated. Yeah. And even just the, you know, there's so much that I, I don't feel like even gets touched on in terms of trauma. Mm -hmm. You have to be really careful with somebody early on after a traumatic experience like that. Everybody's experience of a car accident is different. And we Mm -hmm. have to hold that for a lot of people this is very traumatic and yeah. as much as you may be asking the questions from a trying to get an understanding of like what may be happening in their body and what may be going on recounting certain details of an event like that yeah is not going to feel good in their body yeah. to bring a stress reaction to their body mm. um, and so you have to be really careful um how yeah. we navigate that and allowing sort of the story to come out when it feels um, right to come out for them. Yeah. And it's interesting too, because I was thinking about it, where I was like, you know, I was complaining about like getting a car because it was like a bit annoying. I wasn't sure, but it was super easy by the time we decided that, yes, I need a rental car. That was the best case scenario. What happens if rental car aside, once if you couldn't drive, right? Yeah. So for me, Mel and I had this decision, like, oh my God, like, how are we going to get the kids where we need to get them? Simple solution. Just get the rental car, deal with it later. Right. But next side of that, though, what happens if one of us no longer was able to drive? Like now I'm thinking about grandparents, friends, family, like we got to get these kids to their activities. And I'm not even thinking about that. And then I'm like, oh, and you got to come to the clinic two days a week. Well, how the hell am I like? like, How am I getting to and from? I've never. And I've always like I've always considered it. But I've never really thought about it. Because that's why Mel was like the other night. She's like, you got to snap out of it. Like, why are you so like, so miserable? And I was like, I was thinking about everything, to be honest, that could have gone worse, right? Yeah. One of the kids got hurt. She yeah. got hurt. 
um, you know, you never really worry about yourself at that point. You're just like, well, it is what it is. But like, once if I had to like now figure out for my parents, they didn't even know we got in the accident because my dad will yell at me, right? To be like, what are you doing, right? Hopefully they're not finding out on this podcast. <laughs> that was my job. <laughs> they don't even know. They, they still think I'm like, kids. And they're like, are you kids? Yeah, yeah, no, no. And there are people, they're going to figure it out once they're like, why are you driving the Jetta again? But I will say my mom like religiously listens to this podcast. <laughs> oh, does she? Oh, that's good. Jeff Jack, big fan. <laughs> that's awesome. I was a Jack. Um, and the, but the cool part is, is actually making me a better clinician. Yeah. Right. And I, and I, to be honest, when I do still consult with the dog, these are the things that I still will see. Um, but it's interesting, right? Because luckily for me, everything's been easy for the most part, right? Like, I, as you said, like, I kind of know what I want. I know I have people, I have connections. Like I grew up with all these people that own these businesses around me, went to high school together. But if I, if I was, if I immigrated here, if English wasn't my first language, you know, if I had those cultural sensitivities that we talked about last week, right? Like it's really interesting and I didn't really appreciate it. But when I think about the patients that I assess, I've almost made assumptions like you'll figure it out just like I did. Yeah. Right. But, it, but I'm learning from this experience. Like that's not the way the world works. Yeah. I think that's, I mean, obviously I would not wish this mm-hmm. for anyone hundred percent, but our own experiences um, really do help to open our eyes to new perspectives and, and things that maybe we haven't considered before. Mm-hmm. And I think so often, again, as much as I wouldn't wish a negative healthcare experience or a car accident on anyone, I think it does, you know, there is a part of it that can be transmuted Mm -hmm. into something really great for your clinical practice. Yeah. Um, So that you can now show up, you know, with more empathy for that person. Like now that it's happened, you've had the lived experience it will change how you show up for future people who've been in car accidents. It will have yeah. you, you know, empathize and know better what needs to be said and what, you know, could mm-hmm. be asked. And I think that is, you know, of something that doesn't have many silver linings. Yeah. <laughs> that can be one. Yeah. Oh, for sure. And it, and it kind of comes down to the whole advocacy thing, right. And when you think about it in healthcare, right. Or, or, you know, really any, I guess we can call, bring the AV side of like car damage into that as well. But when you think about it, a lot, there's a, still a lot of restrictions on advocacy too, because of privacy. Like I couldn't just have somebody speak on my behalf, right? right? Unless it were my power of yeah. attorney, right? Or my wife would eventually be able to do that. Yeah. But I'd have to be deemed not capable of making decisions or, or speaking, yeah. but I may not want to right? Or I may not feel up to it. And you're kind of forcing these, like, I'm, I'm cringing now every time I said to somebody, like, you needed to fill out your OCF one, which was like eight pages of God knows what, probably longer than that now. But, but it, it's one of those things where I'm like, and even for, I know you've had some experiences in the system too, where you're like, it would be so nice to just like, tell somebody how you feel and then have them go and like, communicate that to change the system, right? Yeah. But yeah. where those people don't like, they're not there where you just like phone, phone them up and be like, Oh, I need an advocate. Cause if you're going to do that, you're going to call the ombudsman and good luck to you. Like, <laughs> yeah, that's a whole nother frustrating process. <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's yeah. really interesting. So I was starting to think too, like who else, like within the system could help people. Right. So 
my first thought right away, and I know with motor vehicle wise, I was like, man, I need an OT involved in way more of these cases, mm. right? Like they're the ones that have the ability to figure out, okay, is this patient, you know, able to manage all this? You know, do they have, where are they going to get some of this funding from? Because at the end of the day for me, like, I'm just going to fix their ankle really well, right? Like that's my expertise. Um, I'm going to deal with their spine issues. But as far as like that big picture stuff, not to say that we aren't capable of doing it. I just don't think we were trained holistically enough when there's so many things going on, right? Like I almost have to kind of rob Peter to pay Paul to be able to manage everything because it's just not feasible a hundred percent I think that's that's a frustration I think I have felt personally myself but I I know I also hear from clinicians is just feeling like there's so much that they see that they want to help Mm -hmm. with but like the constraints are such and even just our scope of practice is such that like you know we we do have to, and I think can be better at looking at who else can be a helper here. And OTs are such like unsung heroes of the healthcare system. You're like, like, I think, I think of an OT, like the social worker of the rehab world, like Mm -hmm. they are considering and looking at things with such a beautiful lens that we just straight Mm -hmm. up aren't. Um, And, you know, I wonder too, if there's just, sometimes it feels like access is hard. Mm -hmm. Like I have had to work really hard just even here in London to try Mm -hmm. and figure out and find, okay, if I wanted to refer to an OT, like where are they? Um, But having those connections and and networking that way makes our job so much easier so that you can focus, you know, more of your time and attention um, Mm -hmm. on getting the person physically feeling better. But I think it is also our job to make sure that some of these other areas are being addressed. We don't need to be addressing them, but how can we bring some of these supports in, in a way that also doesn't feel overwhelming for the person? Uh, yeah. The other uh-huh. thing it's like, <laughs> then you have yeah. 17 appointments a week, but uh, yeah. yeah, I think it's, it's knowing that we don't have to do it alone, but sometimes it mm-hmm. can feel like in these cases, we're living just in a silo and we're the only mm-hmm. ones who are really actually aware of what's happening for the person. Yeah. And it's kind of interesting too, because I think it's a matter of, you know, a bit of a screen, right? Like you could probably just give me a checklist and I'll figure it out just fine. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you got to do these, you know, 10 things. I remember it's kind of interesting because after the accident, like when you're like, kind of like, God damn it. Like what just happened here? And you got to like, try to think of all these things. And then I get home and I read the back of the friggin' slip and it's yeah, like, I yeah, I didn't, do, I didn't do any of that. Right. <laughs> and then I'm like, in the photos I took, the headlights from my car, like totally like screwed up because of the reflection on the other car. And I'm like, Oh my God, I don't even have like these photos. So well, there's also like a bit of like, don't underestimate the amount of like fight or flight in that moment. You're like, there's cars waiting behind me. People want me to move. Like, mm-hmm there's a lot happening in that moment that like, of course, you're not going to have yeah. all of your faculties right. with you. <laughs> yeah. And the kids are like, uh, are we not going to go get those burgers anymore? <laughs> Just looking back to the Big Macs. <laughs> yeah. And is that and a no? The best part is when we get out there, everyone's like, can I, can I see it? And I was like, sure. But here was, but here was the worst part. We were actually headed up to uh, stay at a friend's place. So we had to bring the elf. Because my little guy's still into like the whole like 
elf on the shelf. So then, so uh, like Mel stalled coming out. So the elf is packed in the back. And then now we got to go back home because dad just decided that right. we're not going to go all of a sudden. Yeah. Right? Dad doesn't want a burger anymore. Uh, but Mel's like, I, I got to get that elf. Like the kids know where the elf is. So this was like, you know, we'll end this <laughs> on the holiday note. Just but to it's add, like, just add so some like, flavor to the. So that was the stress thing got added. And I was like, he he can't know. And I was like, fine. <laughs> uh, so then that gets in. So then I'm like, okay, guys, we got to check out the front of the car. Like that was the stall point. Right. Yes. He's like, oh, dad, that's, that's like, cool. Looks like we were in the Derby. He loves the Derby, right? And I was like, oh my God, my kid's going to go tell everybody. Every kid, every kid Monday morning. Yeah, my dad, my dad took the van to the Derby and they'd be like, what? So, <laughs> but uh, on that note, I think it's really interesting because the last thing that I was thinking about is I had a, I, there's a few lawyers that I have collaborated with over the years and they're super reputable and they always sort of get challenged and they'll always push back to me a bit to be like, man, why don't you guys utilize us more? Right. And I was like, well, let's call it spade a spade. I said, because most people in our profession are inundated by the bad eggs and they have a bad feeling about it. Right. Or it creates a different relationship when you're dealing with a patient that has legal representation because we don't get the right info because we don't collaborate. Right. At the end of the day, I can count for me. I talk to every lawyer that is on a file, but most people don't. But it was interesting because this one guy said, like, because I we were always going over like where are the challenging parts in a lot of these med legal cases, but especially on the medical side. Because for me, I'm like, man, like my patients never have a problem returning to, you know, a full functional quality of life based on their physical impairments. It's it's pretty rare for what I see, right? I don't see the non-cats, I don't see the catastrophic stuff. But the, I'm like, it's the hidden impairments that I can't diagnose that these people struggle with. So like, I need somebody to advocate. So I said, I always have my OT colleagues, but like, as you said, Emma, they're not easy to find. Right. Yeah. But then I said to him, I was like, look, but the other problem I have is I have these really impaired patients who are scared and they don't know what to do. And they have all this paperwork that I spit at them, right? Like fill this out. I need it. Right. And he said, well, why don't you just let us fill it out for them? And my initial thought was like, well, there's a lead gen, right? Like you're <laughs> going to get this client potentially, right? But at the end of the day, I was like, man, I would love to have somebody deal with all of this shit. Paperwork. Yeah. yeah, like you deal with it. I want to talk to anybody. Like, like, just tell me like some drive my car to that shop, figure it out, right? Because you would know the ins and out. Like, I don't even know what's in my policy and I probably should, but right. I don't. I, well, you know I, mean? like, I think that's very normal. <laughs> yeah. And it was, and it was interesting because same thing too is like on that piece. Cause I know for a fact, my clinical teams would say to me, Daryl, like, Oh, this is, it seems a bit slimy that we're getting a lawyer, lawyers, para, paralegal or their clerk to help this patient paperwork. And I'm like, fair, but now being in the, in the same, a little bit of the same situation, as far as like now having to do all this, I wouldn't want to do it. Yeah, that's interesting because I think so often, again, if you haven't had the lived experience, I think it's so easy mm-hmm. to jump to judgment on, yeah. oh my gosh, this person has legal involved, like, holy mm-hmm. smokes, they're being dramatic or, you know, whatever yeah. the story is and really, you know, watching that mm-hmm. um, and, and not holding judgment and 
and looking at, okay, this person isn't getting better. What have I not asked? What are, what are some of the silent things? Do yeah. I need to get a therapist involved? What other supports does this person need? Because maybe this is not. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then finding it early. Right. So like for me, I've done a couple of consults lately. And I was like, man, if this stuff would have just been figured out like three years ago, like care would have been in a very different potential pathway. Right. But I'm seeing it at the, at the far end of the spectrum. That's sometimes where too, where I wonder, you know, use of outcome measures mm. early on can be so effective because maybe somebody's not ready to say, I'm terrified to get in a car right now, yeah. but they're willing to check the box. Yes. They will. Yeah. And, it, and you're right. Cause it was really interesting. Cause I just did an MBA, like, kind of live assessment with my clinical team and we did it as like a I knew the kid he was 17 um car accident and and I was trying to prove a few points right like let's be honest a 17 year old does not want to be in physio right yeah. and it was interesting and I made him fill out eight outcome measures before he came in and I was like how did you feel about that and he's like it was fine and his dad was there too because we had yeah. said he's like I had to remind him three times. He was pissed off every time I reminded him, and he did not want to do that. I was like exactly, but it but it was so interesting, right? Because what was in those tools though, Emma, was extremely like this is not a physical issue for me to deal with anymore. Exactly. Like like I I will fix that physical problem easily, and this kid is going to do just fine with that. Like he's he's going to heal beautifully. The problem is though is he he flags some stuff for me that isn't really, I would say necessarily within scope for me to, to manage, but I actually think even though it's kind of, let's say moderate flag, right. To me, that's going to be the biggest in, like focus for him to get back to that normal life. Yeah. And without, without having it flagged, I think we don't give people the ability to actually get back yeah. to normal life. And this yeah. is where you see people where, you know, whether it's a car accident or just, you know, an so injury the on the soccer field, like whatever yeah. it is, these are some of the reasons people don't like it is life changing is because mm -hmm. not only does it change them potentially physically, but long term, mm -hmm. the mental change and the behavior change and the emotional change yeah. that occurs in that moment, if not dealt with, stays with people. Yeah. And it was, and it was interesting you said that too, because there was that one tool that I assessed him with, right. And to me, it's part of my assessment, right? Like it allows me to do way more focused, like interaction and connection, kind of like what we talked about with Jim, but I didn't actually share the results of that one tool, just the number, right. Yeah. Cause when you read the detail of the tool, I'm like, there's, there's something here that's being told to me that I'm not, that I, that I'm, that I see as an opportunity right? To help this young guy. So I think on that part too, is it's, it's exactly what you said. Like I was meeting with an OT. They're like, just do a river meet assessment for everybody. I was like, oh yeah, we don't do that. You know what yeah. I mean? Well, why don't we do that? You know what I mean? So it's so interesting. So I thought just to kind of wrap, kind of circle this back. Cause I think, you know, for me, like maybe, yeah, you don't want to, you know, have a lawyer fill out paperwork for somebody, or, you know, we don't have ad access to these advocates that can speak with us and for us you know, you know, super quick, like I can't dial that number, right, for that. But what would be really interesting is if we really were to reflect on it, put ourselves in these situations, or if you know colleagues who've been in these situations, could they change their mindset 
having real lived experiences, right? So do we need to be able to provide options for people? You know, are you having a hard time with all the, you know, the necessary steps now that you've had this injury or this accident, right? Are you interested in, you know, having somebody help you? Because I'm certainly not the expert in AB forms. Right. Yes. (laughs) So it's, and it's really interesting. And then, and can we utilize some of our tools to identify who might be the right person? As you said, like OTs are totally underestimated. And same thing too, is having an OT come to a home where family has injuries to see like, oh my God, like, how are you honestly navigating around with a broken leg? Yeah. And your husband's useless, right? Like, like, this is like a bell breaks your leg. This house is called, right? <laughs> if I break my leg. I might just miss some ice time. But her hair is going to look fire. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that, that air wrap <laughs> is going <laughs> to. We have to end on that note for sure. <laughs> so, um, so we have one more episode next week. That will probably yeah. go live during the week of the holidays, which will be fun. Yeah. And then we'll be off for one week. So everybody gets to hang out with their family over the holidays. Um, and that'll be fun. This was good. Awesome. Well, I'm glad you guys are all safe. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, yeah, we're all good. Uh, that, you know, it is getting sorted. And and yeah, I think it's for all of us a good, you know, reflection point on ex- our own lived experience and how we can bring mm-hmm. Into our interaction, yeah, better understanding, right? Of like, you know, explain to me how do you like, what are you going through right now? Yeah, yeah, awesome. All right, all right, it was good to see you. See you next week. Ciao. All right, bye. And that's all for today. Thanks for tuning into today's episode and joining us on this journey to get smarter in business and life by learning from the top clinicians in the world. Make sure to connect with me on Instagram at Daryl Yardley and be sure to follow my co-host Emma at Press Play Physio to stay connected. And also visit us at clinicianlife.com for more resources, articles, and opportunities to participate in the show. We'd love to have you on to share your expertise and insights with our growing audience. Can't wait to see you next week.